This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we just love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes the experience better. Look, obviously, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. I've done it for years. But watching the game in a place that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other dub fans is so much more fun. COVID stole that opportunity for a while, but the ACO has given it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great food and drinks. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warrior season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food, I love their space, I love their TVs. I even love that it's family friendly. I can go there with friends and get way too passionate, or I can go with just my wife and kid and enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now my go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and I hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me, per usual, our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Rejoining us after way too long, the Warriors specialist for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who has covered multiple title runs for Golden State, including each and every game during this last incredible run. The author of the cover story of the Cron's commemorative championship edition of the sports page and one of our closest friends on this show, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I, li- I like the new title, Warrior Specialist, because I'm not the beat writer. Mm-hmm. So let's just give it the Warrior Specialist title. I like yeah. that. I know. I thought very good about it. Uh, if memory serves, the last time we had you on, you were only able to give us enough time to just shit house Wes from the bowels of Chase Center. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully you got a little extra time today. I guess we'll find out together. Yeah. I mean, some some background here for the listener. Like, I feel like we're doomed every time Bram and I try to not just... <laughs> record a podcast but hang out because we are good friends it's just like the scheduling gods have not been aligning but i have plenty of time today i'm, I'm happy to to give you as much time as you need let's go well today's focus is free agency which is obvious and is also necessary and also what makes you the perfect guest uh since i'm going to be stealing most of my takes from a recent article you wrote entitled warriors free agency primer who stays who goes and who joins the quest to repeat but I'd be crazy not to start this thing off with an off-the-court report. Um, so for those new to the show, you'll notice I speak way too much. But one of the exceptions to that is the off-the-court report. Here, we lean on people like Connor, who follow this team, who was with Golden State throughout the run and sees not only what happens between the lines, but what happens off of them. So here, I shut the hell up, give the mic to Connor. Any stories, man? Anything stick out? I mean, there's, there was a lot uh, during this title run. Um, one that kind of jumps out to me, and this is kind of maybe a little bit in the weeds, but I think a lot of diehard Warriors fans are, ra- are aware of who Raymond Ritter is. Raymond, Raymond Ritter is the PR guru for the Warriors. He's probably the best in the country at what he does. He's the kind of the gatekeeper for access for people like myself. Like every in-depth story I've ever had, 
where I'm hanging out with a player at his house or maybe in Kansas or where, wherever, uh, I got that access because I got the green light from Ray Ritter. And um, one thing that's funny, interesting about the playoffs is that the team PR staffs orchestrate, you know, all the media availabilities through the first three rounds. And then once it gets to the NBA finals, the NBA takes over, right? So that's supposed to mean there's way less access, there's way less one-on-ones and, and stuff like that. And generally speaking, there's not historically uh, media availabilities during shoot-around. You know, there it's just kind of like at the games and on off days. But Raymond Ritter being Raymond Ritter was not okay with that. You know, he, he wanted to give us as much access as possible. Huh. So he chose – and, and he is within his right to do this. He chose to still hold media availabilities on shoot-around days. But since, you know, the NBA wasn't planning for that, wasn't running that, um, you know, they there wasn't really the infrastructure. So literally it was kind of like a thing where a lot of media members didn't know whether or not there was going to be a shoot-around. You had to text Ray specifically, and then Ray would let you know. It was almost like an invite-only situation, and then, um, at the actual availability, like Ray was running around with, you know, microphone stands personally, like handing off microphones to reporters and doing all the jobs that several NBA staffers were doing uh, so we could get these one-on-ones. And it was, or, I mean, small group availabilities. And so it was, it was just a testament to like Ray and, 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 and how good he is at his job. But uh, yeah. Um. Do you notice, so on the floor, you you watch the intensity pick up, right? Throughout the playoffs, certainly the end of the first round. And then every time they move up, the stakes get higher. And so you can see kind of the demeanors change when they actually step on. Is that, is there any translation to that off the floor? Like when these guys make themselves available and you're talking to them, does their demeanor change? Do they get more tense or, I mean, is there any difference in their personalities as they ratchet up the playoff ladder, you know, and, and get towards the finals? Um. Not really. And I mean, maybe that's just a, uh, speaks to why the Warriors won the title is yeah. that they, they kept a pretty even keeled approach, I thought, throughout the playoffs. I mean, you, you, if you saw them practicing during the finals and you didn't know it was the finals, you might have just assumed it was a regular season game in huh. terms of how they were going about it. You know, they, they, see, they still were pretty easygoing. They kind of had that relaxed feel, um, focused yet relaxed, you know what I mean? And, and so – um, it didn't feel like they were overwhelmed by the moment at all. I think I think the Warriors had a lot of confidence going into that series against Boston. I think they truly believed they were the better team, and if they just stayed healthy and did what they needed to do, they'd be fine. And, you know, the series kind of played out that way, so credit to them. How about for you? So I'll keep it personal. We, we recorded one right after they won a championship. Loved it. It was, it was incredible. But if I'm being honest with you, I was weirdly nervous. We've done, I don't know how many fucking shows, a hundred, a thousand, enough, enough where normally speaking, I'm not nervous before we get behind this mic. But when I was talking about the championship, because it felt like history was being um, solidified, I was a little weird about going into it. I felt an extra pressure. Uh, Maxine, was that true for you at all? Like before we started recording that day, was there like a, uh, I got to nail this one? Oh yeah, it feels different for sure. Completely so is different. that for you, Connor? You, you've seen this movie a few times. When you're writing about the finals or the playoff run, does it change or no? The job's the job. Um, a job's a job, but you definitely feel the stakes. I mean, especially when you're the beat writer or you're like one of the core people covering a team, you definitely feel like you have to live up to the moment. You know, 
Like on a basic level, your job doesn't really change, but you, you definitely feel like you have to play up to the moment. Like you have to write stories that are worthy of that, those types of stakes and that kind of monumental uh, historic feat. And so I was actually asked to do the kind of like big picture warriors win the title story which believe it or not needs to be pre-written uh because uh you know you would you would assume that you just write something after the game but the truth is that story is not about the game it's about the season and the journey to get there and so i pre-wrote that the day of game six and i was just at td garden for hours after shoot around just working on this thing and i remember feeling it yeah kind of nervous kind of like you know a little bit of imposter syndrome like is this good enough is this good enough to be like the defining piece of this yeah, right you know uh title run and the the story that's going to be front page of the paper and is maybe going to be hung in people's living rooms you know because people fans often will put the the front page from the san francisco chronicle and they won the title they'll, they'll like frame that you know and so you want it you want to feel like your story is worthy of that it's not the first time i've written a story like that but it was the first time in several years and so i definitely felt those nerves um but you just gotta you gotta play through you know oh i happen to know a lot of people frame our podcast and put it up on their wall so i can i mean i can associate almost immediately um and it's weird it takes a while to get used to you know what i mean like it's it feels awkward at first but then you realize that you're that important and it happens so i i uh I generally appreciate it, boys. Enough uh, appetizer here. Let's talk free agency. So I've kind of split this up into a few sections. And the first section doesn't look at who the Warriors can add. It looks at who the Warriors can keep, right? And that's because there are some pretty big free agent names on the Warriors, guys who contributed to this championship run who are now up for money and may not be here next year. So I'm going to give you the names. Um, and then I got a couple of follow-ups here, are the names I have, and you're aware of them, Connor, since I stole them from your article, Kevon Looney, Otter Porter, Jr. GP two, Nemanja, Iggy and D Lee are the ones we're going to focus on. So before we lean on Connor, because he's going to be doing the heavy lifting here. First ones, you and I, Maxime. So I can give you the names again, if you like, but if you were going to have a conversation with Bob Myers and you were going to tell him, all right, Bob, here's what I think should happen. These are the, this is how I would prioritize these guys who are the top three in order you think they should keep. Yeah. Number one is Looney. Um, number two, GP two, number three, Otto Porter Jr. With an honorable mention to Andre Iguodala. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm hoping based on what we saw that um, he retires and then joins our coaching staff. You know, we have a, we have a spot on the bench that seems pretty warm for him. And I think that's, ex- you know, that's exactly what the young guys need. I would love to see that happen. So that's some wishful thinking. I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, but I just mean in terms of basketball skill sets, uh, what Looney has done for us is, is of paramount importance, especially as Wiseman, you know, continues to come back and is not necessarily there yet. Uh, we need somebody that's just really reliable at that center spot. So that's why I'm taking him first. He's also an offensive rebounding beast um, and played every goddamn game. Uh, so my three names are almost identical. The only difference is I actually have D Lee first, but priority is number one is getting D Lee the fuck out. Uh, jokes, <laughs> just jokes, man. Yeah, D Lee is part of the family. Uh, we're on a championship mountain here. We can say those things. Uh, what's the priority for the Warriors, uh, Connor? Uh, you know what? Actually, shift that. Um, for you, if you had that conversation with Bob Myers, list them. Wh- who's your top three they think they should prioritize? Oh, it's definitely uh, Looney, GP2, and then 
Otto Porter in that order for sure. Right. Um, and, the, and those are the top three by a wide margin. Uh, the, the number four guy is a distant fourth. Um, if they could bring back all three of those guys, I think they're feeling pretty good about not just free agency, but like their off season, you know, um, because they're not going to do a lot beyond, you know, trying to resign guys. There might be one or two guys that they can get from who aren't already on the team, but those aren't the big priorities. The big priorities are bringing back those three guys um, with Looney being, I think by far the most important uh, Looney and GP two are very important, but I would say by far Looney is the most important. Let's go through each of them here. Let's start with the loon. How bad do the Warriors want him? Uh, they have to have, him. it's yeah. a, it's a necessity. Uh, and they will, they will resign him. That's I wrote, next question. Yeah, I wrote in that said. story that there's a 100% chance of him coming back because there is a 100% chance of him coming back. Why, why do you say that? I mean, that, that you know, it's, I was almost expecting a 99%, you know, cause you never know hundred percent means what it means why why are you so confident? i had people tell me there's quote unquote no chance of him going anywhere else that's why i wrote a 100 percent because um from a financial standpoint they can offer him as much as they need to offer him yes they're deep into the luxury tax but in terms of the rights they have they have his full bird rights which means they could offer him technically they could offer him up to the max they're not gonna have to they're not yeah. gonna have to come close to that but from what I've heard, you know, his really strong playoff run did significantly boost his market value. So, you know, as of a month ago, you were looking at like six between six and seven million per year as a for, for a multi-year contract for him. Now you're looking at closer to 10 mil, yeah. um, like between nine and 10 mil, um, which is a good amount of money for a, a guy that a lot of people would say is not very sexy. A guy who's kind of just a stabilizing force, kind of a, a role guy, but he has become an essential player for this team. I, I think it's fair to say that the Warriors would not have won the title without him. He played every single game throughout the season. He was an absolute workhorse on both ends. He's really sound defensively. He does all. The, he's in the right place at the right time offensively all the time. He's a really good screener, um, really good offensive rebounder. He just does all the little things. And when you factor in the fact that they don't have another reliable center on this roster – it just reinforces how incredibly important he was. I mean, if someone had told you last season, the Warriors are not going to have James Wiseman the entire season and they're still right. going to win a title, right? you would have thought that was crazy. Yep, that's exactly but right. But Wiseman didn't play and it didn't matter because Kevon Looney was so good. And, I mean, there were a couple games in these playoffs where he was literally their best player, which is crazy. Um, and so the Warriors know that they can't lose him because – you know, all they really have is a, a James Wiseman trying to come back. Who they they have no idea what his situation is. They have no idea what he's going to look like. And beyond that, you just you don't really have anything else at that center position. You know, you have a small ball dream on and things like that, but no one else you can really rely on for long term minute or extended minutes, night and night in and night out. So yeah, they're going to bring him back. They're going to give him what he needs. It's probably going to take at least ten million a year. They're going to pull out the checkbook. They're going to do it. Because they have to. And, I mean, from what I've heard, they're literally in L.A. right now monitoring that situation in person just to show him this is how much you mean Good. to us. Good. He, he was as much a part of this title run as almost anybody else not named Steph or Wiggins, although close. If you lined up these rosters, lined up Memphis, lined up uh, even Dallas, certainly with Boston, 
if you had to bet your life on who was going to be winning the rebounding battle, it never would have been the Warriors. We never would have beat the Warriors in any game. And multiple fucking times they won that battle and principally because of Loon Wiggins as well, but uh, his value cannot be overstated. Maxime, do you still believe in Wiseman? Right now, if you had to bet something significant to you, uh, do you think that Wiseman will be a contributor on a NBA team at some point? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think it has to be the right situation. Asking him to perform at sort of the level of DeAndre Ayton. Look, I mean, DeAndre Ayton was a number one overall pick. There's a world in which he could have gone second. I know that was a uh, more complicated draft, right? But Luka Doncic was in that same one. So you could see that being a one-two situation. Um, and then I just, I don't think that we can expect um, Wiseman to have the same uh, uh, level of impact as somebody like Aiton. But if he's in the right position, if he's like coming off bench behind a loony or something and providing some impact minutes, you know, around the like 18 minute a game mark. Uh, yeah, I could see him actually being a pretty valuable spark plug. You talk to Warriors fans, Connor, and there's a growing unease with his health. Yeah, some are more aggressive with it. This isn't a meniscus. Some are, you know, cautiously optimistic. If he gets healthy, he's going to be a force. This is a guess, but it's an educated one. Are the Warriors getting concerned on this shit? Do they do they know the no Celebrini will take care of it? We just need some time, or is there some unease that's that's spilling out of there? The Wiseman situation is absolutely fascinating from a roster building perspective, and I've written a good amount about it. I actually just wrote. Uh, like a thousand word story right before I got off on this call with you guys about this situation. Oh. Uh, because I think summer league and really this whole off season is huge for Wiseman. And it's because he has a team option. He has a $12.1 million team option that the Warriors would have to pick up by oh. October 31st. And that's huge. When you consider the fact that the Warriors are already so deep in the luxury tax, and 12.1 mil is a lot of money to be spending on a guy who has not been healthy, a guy who has played 39 games in two seasons, and in those 39 games did not prove that he can help this team win games. Yep. His plus-minus was awful. He has, In his limited time, he has not shown that he has a great feel for the game. He has not shown that he's a good uh, fit for the Warriors system. I am not sold at all on his long-term fit with the Warriors. I, I personally think that he could be a really good NBA player. I'm just not sold that he is a great fit for the Warriors. I think for the Warriors to make this work, they're going to have to change the offense for him, yeah. which is not ideal when you still have Steph and you still have Draymond and you still have Clay. So it's just kind of like a timeline issue. And in terms of that team option on October 31st, it's like you know he hasn't played in 15 months. Okay, he's played two G League games in the past 15 months, which he looked up and down in in the G League setting. And, you know, he's not necessarily going to have a lot of opportunities to prove himself by October 31st. I mean, ideally, he's back in summer league, but the Warriors are already taking the pressure off of him. He's not playing in the California Classic this weekend. They've already said that they're hopeful that he can maybe, hopefully, maybe play toward the end of Las Vegas summer league. So you're looking at maybe like two games he'll play in summer league, which we are all hoping entering the summer that he'd be playing the whole summer league. That'd be a huge opportunity for him. That does not look to be the case. He's probably going to only play a couple games in summer league. Then you're going into preseason. So by the time the October 31st runs rolls around, he'll have maybe a couple regular season games. My, my understanding is that regardless of what happens between now and October 31st, they're going to pick up that option because you just don't let, 
Number two, someone walk. with that amount of upside and that those physical tools go, especially when you've already invested so much of course, in him. Yeah. They owe it to themselves and they owe it to Wiseman to elite to see this thing through. But that being said, it is an enormous risk because if he doesn't end up panning out, that is a huge hole, financial hole to have on your roster, especially when you consider that it looks like Andrew Wiggins is going to be around long-term. I mean, the way he played in the playoffs, he was our second-best player. He was our second-best player in the finals. You don't just let that guy go at this point. He was the second-best player in the finals. Not there, the. Yeah, Yeah. so he's probably going to need to be around long-term. They might have to give him a max deal next year. And then you're obviously going to keep Jordan Poole around. You're going to have to give him, you know, a multi-year deal for probably four years, around four years, 100 mil, you know, close to the max, not super far off. And when you factor all that in, there's just no other way to cut payroll. I mean, they're looking at if they keep all these guys, they're looking at a at a payroll between salary and luxury tax of like close to five hundred million dollars, which is just absurd, uh, absolutely absurd. The Warriors had the biggest payroll in the country or in NBA history this year at around I think it was like three hundred sixty, and so you're looking at five hundred. I know the Warriors technically maybe. You know, the Warriors have the money, you would think, but still, that's just a ridiculous amount. And so I'm not sure how sustainable that is. And the most logical way to cut money would be to get rid of Wiseman, especially if you're that confident in Looney. So unless Wiseman really pops here in the next year, I think they're going to have to actively start looking at trading him. So because you're going to sign him to that, you're going to pick up that option. He's going to be on the books. So... You know, if you want to get rid of that contract, maybe you can find a team that's rebuilding, that has the luxury, that has the salary cap space, that's willing to take on that payroll and give you some future assets for them. But that's the only logical way to cut payroll. But of course, option A is he just becomes the wise man that everyone hopes and wants him to become. Mm-hmm. Cutting, trading him is plan B, but plan A is for him to be good. I mean, of which course, he can I- be. I'd certainly keep them. You, you pay them the twelve million just on the shot of upside, as you've already said. Also, to justify the fucking year they had, that they you know justify that second pick. You don't go through all those losses and then just give up on that. But even that talk helped me come up with a new nickname. So instead of Joey uh, Lightyears, can we call him Joey Checkbook? Because I I love what he's been able to do. And I'll tell you, and you'll hear me say this a little bit later on, but my favorite part about this draft, you know, we go into it and everyone's talking about what you're talking about, Connor. They're so far of the luxury tax. 28th pick doesn't make a fucking sense. They'll probably trade it out. They need to save the money. They don't need additional payroll. Not only do they make the 28th pick, they buy another fucking pick in the second round. You know, they're like, oh, you think we're worried about money? We will spend more, which I- Well, actually, so the subtle thing about that- Don't ruin this for I No, I thought it was kind of brilliant in the sense that, well, the plan with that is they're going to give Rollins probably a 15-man roster spot, guaranteed deal. But a, a rookie minimum is the lowest contract you can have in the NBA. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to yeah. round out the roster with the lowest possible contract in someone like Rollins, and that is probably the biggest reason why it looks like JTA is no longer going to be on the Warriors next yeah. season. They, they he just signed, my, he just they signed with not, the Lakers. They did not extend him. What? I'm serious. He did. JTA signed with the Lakers. Uh, I got as we were sitting here talking. I got a text from a friend. So it sounds like that you know not only did he not get the qualifying offer, but it is done. JTA wow. is not going to be a member. Wow, of that Sanders. is wow, wow. Okay, well, I was 
so a little surprised to see them not give him the the qualifying offer because as of a few days ago, the plan, as far as I know, was to give him the qualifying offer. But I think when they really looked at it and started prioritizing things, they just realized that as much as they love JTA, like when you're talking about the back end of the roster, you need to just value saving a little bit of money. So that's ultimately what it came down to. I'm happy for JTA that he signed on somewhere else. I, I, I was asked earlier on the radio today, will he get any other offers? And like, I definitely thought he was good enough to get a minimum somewhere, but I didn't think it was a guarantee. Whereas if he got a, if you're talking about someone like Damian Lee, I would think Damian Lee could definitely get a minimum somewhere else. If he doesn't return to the Warriors, I was not convinced that JTA would just because he did not shoot well this year. And, and I think a lot of people might've looked at him as a product of the Warriors success. You know, he was not a guy who put up numbers in the G league and things like that, but Hey, I'm good. I'm glad that the Lakers apparently, uh, believed in him and signed him because he, to me, he is a legitimate NBA player. 100%. And if that ends up not being true, then let me go ahead and say, fuck you, Keenan, and your terrible information. Why did you text me that back to the free agents? Our second one, GP two, how badly do the Warriors want to keep him? A lot, uh, very badly. Um, you know, not as much as, uh, Kavon just because of the, the lack of depth at center. That's part of why they need Kavan so much, but they do really, really value GP2. Um, You know, he's more – you look at someone like JTA. JTA was a really good feel-good story two years ago. Um, GP2 kind of took that mantle as the feel-good story this year, but GP2 is different in that he has actual long-term plans with the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Like, the Warriors have long-term plans for him. He is an indispensable rotational piece. He's more than just a feel-good story. He actually helped them win the title. I mean, he played 25 minutes, meaningful, helpful minutes in game six in the deciding game in the NBA Finals. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no bigger vote of confidence than that. This is a guy who I think is an all-defensive team caliber stopper along the perimeter. Um, He's... If if Andrew Wiggins is their is their number one uh, perimeter defender, GP two is one A. I mean they're like interchangeable in terms of you know how important they are defensively to this team. And then he's he's really improved offensively. I think he's figured out when to pass. I think he's learned how to knock down the open jumper. And if you look at just his like analytics, I mean he was constantly helping them win. You know, his plus minus was phenomenal throughout the regular season in the playoffs. His versatility really allows the Warriors to unlock a a bunch of different lineup combinations, which, you know, Steve loves. And uh, so in terms of his situation, I think I put that he was at a 90 percent chance of coming back. And the reason I put that is that the Warriors are basically willing to pay him as much as they can possibly pay. And because they only have his early bird rights as a as opposed to his full bird rights, they can only pay him up to 10.9 million per year. Um, and from what I'm hearing, the market value for him is like between seven and 10 million. So unless some team with salary cap space comes in and just shocks everyone and offers them some ridiculous amount of money, the Warriors should be fine. You know, they'll, they'll give him 10 million a year, bring him back and everyone will be happy. I think they'll, I think they'll offer as much, if not more, than anyone else could, and it'll be fine. The, the X factor is to some team sneak in and give them some crazy offer. I, I know there's been scuttlebutt about the Mavericks, um, especially now it looks like Jalen Brunson's leaving. Right. 
you know, it, it's possible, but I just don't see any t- any teams with salary cap who'd be willing to pay that kind of money on a guy who's not a proven offensive threat. Um, so I think the Warriors are fine. I can't remember anybody becoming this portion of a team's fabric this quickly. You know, I mean, he, he just feels like one of us. He feels like he's been here for years. He feels fucking indispensable. Um, so I completely hope you are right. That leaves Otto Porter. So how much do the Warriors want to keep him? What's our percentage? Yeah, so I put 35%. And the reason I put 35% is the Warriors would really like to bring him back. But the situation with him is a little bit more complicated because they don't have even his early bird rights. They don't have any bird rights on him. And so if if they don't use... If they don't use the taxpayer mid-level, I think they can only offer him around three mil. And he's going to command way, way more than that on the open market. I've been hearing between six and eight mil for him. Huh. And um, just because he's he's such like a essential role guy, like right. he, he is always in the right place at the right time. He had the best net rating on the Warriors during the playoffs. I mean, huh. he <laughs> is he's a winning player. And yes, he's not maybe living up to that billing as the former number three pick. But as you're like eighth or ninth man on the championship team, you can't do much better than someone like Otto Porter. And um, the Warriors realize that they recognize that he's, he's only like 29 or something. So he's got some, some more years. Um, but the only way they're going to make it happen financially is if they use the taxpayer mid-level on the taxpayer mid-level is like 6.2. So they could use that on him. They could offer that to him. But even then, there's no guarantee that he's going to come back because he's probably going to get better offers than that from other teams. Right. So, you know, it comes down to, is he willing to take a pay cut? Is he willing to make less money, you know, with the Warriors just to kind of keep it in-house and and run it back and try to win another title? This is a guy who, keep in mind, already signed a max deal in his career. So it's like he's made money. So it's not necessarily one of those situations where he needs to, you know, capitalize on his window and make as much money as humanly possible. So I think if it's between like taking the taxpayer mid-level from the Warriors or taking maybe an $8 million a year offer elsewhere, he would probably be willing to come back to the Warriors. But like, are the Warriors going to be willing to use the taxpayer mid-level on him? There's other guys they could use that on maybe at more glaring positional needs. So it's a very complex multi-layered situation and i ultimately think he's not going to come back in part because i think the Warriors, the Warriors can't really stomach losing looney or gp2 they can stomach losing porter in part because if he leaves that just means more minutes for guys like moses moody and jonathan Kaminga. is there any truth to the rumor that warriors really value people who look a lot like lionel richie you mean you mean uh, Wilt? <laughs> Wilt well, both. Both. I mean, he looks it looks incredibly like Lionel Richie as well. I mean, it is uh, is what it is here. Let me push us forward, and it's kind of a random one, right? We we're talking about JTA, and it made me think of a Judgment Theater. So JTA, whether or not uh, he's with the Lakers, I believe that he is. Chances of him coming back are almost zero. And it strikes me that there's two different types of people in the world, right? You, you play for your favorite team, then find out that your favorite team's not going to retain you. 
Either you're motivated, yo, fuck this. They didn't believe in me. I'm going to show the world that they should have paid me or you secretly hurt. You know, it kind of slows you down. You're you, at least for a while, you're not as good as you should be. So judgment theater boys, I want you guys to guess how we would be if we, you know, same thing. You played for your, your home team, favorite team of all time. You grew up here and then they don't, they don't resign you after a championship, would you use it as motivation or would you uh, be pissy about it? Start with me. I'll be honest. What's your guess? Do you think I'd take it well or take it hard? This is the easiest one ever. You would take it extremely hard and you would be completely heartbroken and upset and angry and uh, you would never get over it uh, ever. And it would just define the rest of your life. Maxime? Yeah, I think so. All of that. And on top of it, you're making like just nasty comments to everybody, right? Like people in the locker room who just like help sort of clean your jerseys or whatever. Like you're just like, yeah, well, I didn't even like you anyways. You're an asshole or whatever as you're walking by um, for months, for months. Um, You guys are completely right. Of course you are. I've got emotional deficits across the board, dude. If my favorite team told me, no, get out of here. So I'd handle it poorly professionally. I'd just go radio silent. Like they'd want to do, uh, you know, some kind of interviews and stuff. And instead of being like, well, thank you to the organization and just for the opportunity. And I hope you go nothing. I'd say nothing. I would not give a single interview and behind the scenes. I would, I'd like, if Bob Myers is walking down the hall, I'd say nothing to him. And then when I got just out of earshot, I'd be like, fuck this place. I always hated it here. Like it would, <laughs> I would burn bridges almost immediately and it wouldn't help anything, anything at all. Which brings us to Maxime. All right. So my guess on Maxime, I think he's closer to me. Um, I, I do. I think it would hurt him. I don't think it would be motivational originally, but I don't think he would have the same fuck this response. I think he would actually do the professional thing. You know, I think he'd at least get up there and thank people for everything. Maybe his Instagram would show him, you know, in a Oakland forever Jersey and, and thanking everybody. But then internally he'd be fucked. He'd be hurt. Uh, you know, he and his wife would talk about it. He wouldn't like the first couple of weeks in the new place, he'd be feeling out of spots and would still be thinking of his old teammates. So it might turn into motivation, but he'd be pissy. He'd be pissy up front. What's your guess, Connor? Um, by the way, I just got the text notification from the Chronicles. So yes, he is. He is a Laker. Um, a boy, no, I, I think that, uh, I think that he would be, I, I think you hit it spot on. I think he would, you know, act like everything's cool, but deep down just be destroyed because in JTA's situation, he has to know like nothing's ever, it's all downhill from here. You just <laughs> won a title with your hometown team. Like oh. as this like amazing story of a guy who was picked up off the scrap heap, knocked on the door in the G league for years finally broke through with his hometown team was representing East Oakland, representing Mexican Americans doing all of it, you know, gets to rep the Mexican flag at, at the parade in his home, like Metro area. Like that is, it doesn't get better than that. And so I'm sure he's happy to like still be an NBA player and get an offer from the Lakers, but I'm sure it destroys him. And I think, I think it would Maxine too. If we could have paused time, if, if you had been like, okay, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about uh, JTA, it's all, I th- would have thought you were going to say, it's all business. I mean, we all understand that, you know, it's just a business decision. For you to have finished that with, it's all downhill is so fantastic. It's just such a giant fuck you, which leaves Connor, all right? Connor, I am not sure on, dude. 
So he is hella loyal, a very loyal guy. And so from that part, I think he'd be hurt, but he's also competitive as shit. And, and I could see it being motivational. So it's, this is a tough one for me. It's not a straightforward thing. If I had to bet, this would be the kind of thing I wouldn't want to bet on. You know, like I don't, I don't have a, a definitive guess. If I had to bet, I would say he's closer to Maxime. I, I think you'd get over it faster, but I do think it would fucking hurt you. You know, I think you'd handle it right in public, but I don't think you'd immediately move on. You know, I don't think it'd be a tailwind initially. I think you'd, you'd have a couple of days where you were pissy about it. Maxime, am I on the money here? Yeah, I think so. And really, ultimately, what we're talking about, I think it would hurt anybody, right? Nobody is bulletproof and wouldn't pay attention to it. So the question is, how quickly does one get over it? And I feel like Connor has had to work really hard, right? And it's, I mean, there's a lot of parallels. I'm actually learning a lot about JTA as I'm thinking about Connor's uh, uh, perspective here. This is this is really good judgment theater, you know, and on top of it, like, my goodness, I think we all know each other really well. This is the, the judgment theater component is like is, is all a show at this point because we you guys all knew that I was a terrible person who would give up fucking immediately, <laughs> who lets go of the rope and throws away his career because of a single slight. Uh, great. But I, I think at this point, both Juan and Connor have um, had enough success and enough work for that success to know what it takes to quickly turn it into motivation much quicker than I and infinitely quicker than you, Bram. I mean, let me say that you bastard. All right, Connor, what's the response? What's the truth? Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I think I would, I would say all the right things, but I think for me, ultimately, I wouldn't necessarily be so much mad at the Warriors as I would be mad at the, whoever ultimately took my roster spot. So <laughs> I, I think that the way this is, this could end up unfolding is that that roster spot ultimately ends up going to Damian Lee. And I, I'm not saying it's because he's Steph's brother-in-law, but it doesn't hurt. And uh, you know, I'm sure like I would not blame JTA for being like, dude, I'm better than Damian Lee. Come on. Also, they could have brought him back for less money than Damian Lee. So it's like, dude, you know, I I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he wouldn't say that because I know he's friends with Damian and all those things, but I wouldn't be surprised if I felt that way if I was in his situation. I'm just on fire during this. I'm going to change my response a little bit. I wouldn't go radio sound. I'd be worse. I'd say a bunch of things that showed how hurt I was. Like if I got a contract with like Sacramento yes. or something, I would be like, and now Sacramento is a much better team. I'd much prefer to be here. We're going to win the next eight championships. And everyone would immediately recognize like, oh, wow. You know, he is on a bender, dude. He's, he's got a drug problem now. That's unfortunate. For but hold on. Actually, before we move on, I just wanted to point out the downhill situation. Man, it really is downhill because I feel like best case scenario, he's playing with Russell Westbrook. Worst case scenario Russell Westbrook gets traded for Kyrie and he's in the middle of the biggest shitstorm in the whole NBA. So like, I'm, I feel for you Juan. we miss you already, buddy. I, I hope you survive the, uh, the LA shit show. Things could be far worse though. I mean, the guy's still an NBA player. Oh no, of course. Don't try to back off it. Appreciate everything because you try to back off it now. Playing in Venezuela at one point, you know, he, it could be far worse. And you know, there's a huge Mexican American population in LA. He'll be an absolute God to those people. It, it could be worse, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's the new Kent Bazemore. Although, you know, I guess Bazemore actually decided to go that direction. Back to business. Our next category is not who they can keep from the team. Who can they lure in here? All right. And I got some names, again, stolen from you. But before we do a couple of logistical things. So one, how many roster spots are we thinking about filling here, Connor? Like when, when the dust settles and they start looking towards free agents, 
one slot, two slots? Because I heard what you said about Ryan Rollins. How many people are they? Or how much room will they have to sign up? Yeah, for I mean they're they're incredible. They're incredibly full up when you think about it. Um, assuming they sign Rollins to a fifteen man, which it's looking like they will, and they bring back Kavan and GP two, which it's looking like they will. They only have three other fifteen man roster spots available. And that's before bringing back the guys like Belly and Damian yeah. Lee. And um, is Baldwin Baldwin a two way? Like, what did, will Baldwin get a real contract? Do you think? Or do you oh, think that was be... also that was also assuming that they give Baldwin a, Baldwin. a guaranteed, which they will. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a first round pick. You give first round picks guaranteeds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was assuming that. So they only have three other spots. And keep in mind, you know, they have the taxpayer mid level to play with, so they could go sign someone with that. They could, you know, round up the roster with some more minimums. Um, but yeah, they only have three spots and, and given the financial situation, I would not be surprised at all if they went into the season with only 14 guys on the roster. Hmm. So they might only sign two more guys outside of Kavan and GP two. Do you view, so at their height of the dynasty, the Warriors were the go-to ring chasing spot. You know, if you're a, a guy who'd made money, but hadn't, had a championship parade, you'd come here. David West, you know, there's a ton of people who came through here and it all worked out for us. Are we back on that mountaintop? I mean, do, you, do you view this as the go-to location for veterans who'd like to add jewelry? So my go-to guy for all these kind of roster building stories is Keith Smith with Spotrack, who's phenomenal. He's a salary cap, salary cap expert. And I talked to him the other day about all this stuff and he made a really good point, which is you would think that the Warriors would be prime destination for the ring chasers because they're going to be the favorites to win next season. They're probably going to be even better next season than they were this season. So that's a completely reasonable assumption to make, but even ring chasers want to play. Yeah. And there's just no minutes to go. There's no minutes Mm -hmm. to go around right now. You know, they're, they're going to need to get uh, Wiseman more significant minutes, you know, as a backup big behind me, they're going to want to get, Moses and Kaminga, especially Kaminga, significantly more minutes. Um, there's just there's just not a lot, and there's not a lot of minutes you want to take away from guys because all these guys played pretty well last season. Uh, you know, it's hence the Warriors winning the title. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if they didn't end up not getting one of those ring chaser types just because. There's no, there's not the minutes, you know, but I, they could end up adding like an older guy to a minimum, but odds are that older guy was just a minimum level level player at this point, as opposed to like David West, who could have signed for far more than that, that year, but took a minimum to the Warriors right. with the Warriors, knowing that he was not only had a chance to win a title with the Warriors, but he had a chance to be a meaningful rotation player on a title winning. So I have put together a list of players. And so we're going to kind of follow what we did before. I'm going to read you these players. Connor's going to do our heavy lifting, but we get to select them. All right. So here are the names I've pulled. And I've already had to cross out a few because of the signings today. Um, So for example, I had Nicholas Batum, but he signed. I had JaVale McGee, but he signed. I had Chris Boucher, but he signed, which I had Patty Mills, but he signed. So here are the names I still have. Robin Lopez, Isaiah Hartenstein, Mitchell Robinson, Ricky Rubio, Danilo Gallinari, Joe Ingles, Montrez Harrell. So Maxime, you go first. If you could have any of these dudes and I can read them again, if you like, who would you pick up? Yeah. I mean, I think 
the to me the most compelling Ricky Rubio could be awesome. Um, but then again, if we're giving Rollins a a, a fully guaranteed roster spot, um, that starts to make the the guard position a little bit less of a position of need. Uh, and we want to give those minutes to Connor's point. Um, you know, to these young guys to let them develop. So I'm actually thinking that Montrezl Harrell would be a really great pickup for us. Uh, I think, especially if, you know, the types of people that we're losing are Otto Porter, Bielitsa, um, that's sort of that, like, you know, um, four spot, right? They can sort of be a bruiser. They can take some of the load off of the center position for Kavan, for someone like, you know, needing to just like bump around underneath the hoop. Um, I think Montrez could be a really, really nice pickup for us. Well, we've got a 90% chance of re-signing GP2 and Jordan Poole's minutes and exposure goes up. Right. You know, we probably need a big man. So let's start with Montrez. Here's our first question. Would the Warriors be interested in him, Connor? I think so. I mean, he's a guy they've always liked. He's killed the Warriors at times. You know, when he was on Houston and then when he was on the Clippers in that first round series, he was absolutely brutal uh, for the Warriors. You know, the Warriors have always struggled with those really tenacious kind of undersized bigs who attack the offensive glass. Yep. And he's the, the epitome of that. Um, didn't he just get arrested? I don't know. Like, Did he? It makes me he like him more. He got arrested like a couple weeks ago. I think yeah. on like marijuana charges or something. Oh, Welcome to the Bay. Who gives a fuck? Is Hell that even yeah, an arrest? Yeah, it's <laughs> probably not a big deal. I'd have to look more. More. He was arrested on felony drug charges. Felony drug Shit charges. for weed? How much weed did he have? For being caught with three pounds of marijuana. Oh, there you go. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. That is what it is. He smokes a lot. Again, welcome to the Bay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so focusing only on the on-court stuff, right? The Warriors wouldn't be interested in off-court controversy and certainly not felonious. Like, I've been told that if the Warriors, assuming the Warriors get come on, they're not really going to be pursuing big men in free agency because they want those minutes to go to Wiseman. Mm. I would not be surprised if huh. you see Warriors kind of approach next season with a different mentality than they did this season in the sense that they know that they should be good enough to, to you know, get a decent playoff seed and, and make a deep run and probably win the title next season. So I can see them focusing, spending a lot of their energy during the regular season, you know, bringing along Wiseman and Kaminga and those guys, and maybe maybe at the expense of, of losing some games. Um, but that being said, I just don't, I don't think that they feel the need to, to add someone like a Montrez who could potentially take away some minutes from, from Wiseman. Um, so. You know what I that makes me, well, that makes me think, and this is just as a side, and then I'll ask a follow-up on that. But So the Warriors reinforced a bunch of shit last year. They reminded themselves of a bunch of things last year. Their championship fortitude, what they're capable of, that they are more suited mentally for, uh, for a championship run perhaps than anybody else. But they also learned something new. The regular season doesn't mean shit. Clay, Dre, and Steph played nine minutes together. There's a reason why 538.com said we were going to lose, why ESPN thought 80% chance we were going to there, because they're all looking at the regular season stats, and it showed that it meant nothing. I, I think next year's regular season is going to be an adventure, because I, I think they're just exactly what you said. It's going to be development. They're not going to be focusing on getting wins. They're going to be focusing on relaxing, probably, but we'll see that to pick up where you left it off. So I'll just lump them, all these big men, because Mitchell Robinson kind of spoke to me. Um, but Montrez, Mitchell Robinson, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, the chances of the Warriors going after some of those guys. And this is just guesses. But what do you mean? Less than 50? Where, where do you put it at, Connor? Less than 50. I, I do like Hartenstein. Uh, you know, he's still young. 
but I would say less than 50 for the reason I just mentioned. Yeah. You know, one thing that you had mentioned that I had heard entering free agency was a potential possibility for the Warriors was Joe Ingles. Yeah. Um, he's coming off an injury, but the Warriors have enough guys until where they could kind of ease him in. And yep. you know they've always really valued his shooting. He's actually another guy who's always killed the Warriors. But it, it looks like he just signed with the Bucks, so that's not happening. There you go. Uh, does Gallinari fit that mold? Or, I mean, because injury prone guy, but who could also be a little, you know, good shooter. Yeah. The guy that I know the Warriors have liked. Um, the Warriors are just really in a, a really enviable position right now and that they don't actually need anyone. Yeah. Yeah. They don't need anyone. And this is the first time that I've covered them that that's really been the case. Even, even in those Durant years, like they have, holes on the roster that needed plugging and free agency and stuff. And the Warriors can plug those holes just by resigning their guys. I mean, all the guys we're mentioning right now, I think the Warriors would rather have Otto Porter than all of them. Give me a guess. All it is, guess what happens. You, you think they, I mean, will they sign a free agent who's not currently on the team? And if so, who? Um, they probably will. I can't name a name because I don't know, but I think it'll be like a, a a minimum guy, you know, a guy who's not incredibly important. And it'll probably be to, to add some backcourt depth, you know, a, another point guard type in case Rollins doesn't pan out um, in case they need another one of those types of guys. Unfortunately, shocker, Chris Gios is not coming back. So um, <laughs> you know what? You know, I, I personally, I personally would love, I don't, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I would love the Warriors to give, a 15-man roster spot to Quindary Weatherspoon. Uh, he's been on a two-way for the past three years. I think, yes, he didn't play a lot last year, but when he did play, he was helpful. Yeah. He was phenomenal in the G League. Um, I know that they extended him a qualifying offer. It looks like they're going to probably try to bring him back on a two-way. I wouldn't blame him for not wanting to come back on a two-way because he's been on a two-way for three years. And I would love to see them give him the 15th roster spot. I think he is, you know, all things considered, I think he's almost as good as someone like, as good if not better ultimately than someone like Damian Lee. But, oh yeah, low bar, put on your uh, GM hat. Um, if you were Bob Myers, Gallinari gives you a call. I'm down. I'm in. Give me whatever. Right. I'll take what Weathersman would take. Oh, I would, I would sign him to a minimum for sure. Well, that's, but I'm asking between the two, Quindary or Gallinari. Oh. Who would, yeah. you, who would you prefer? Especially if you can bring Weatherspoon back on the two-way. Because the good thing about oh, the two-way sure. is you, you retain their rights. Yeah. This like, is, they, you know. Thank God we found this because I can tell you what makes terrible radio. I can't give you a name, but I think they'll sign somebody. So at least, you know, we, we found a name that you could actually give me. And fine. Quindary Weatherspoon. I'm on board. I'd be crazy if I didn't talk to you guys about KD at least a little bit. You know, so... News came out today confirming apparently that Katie wants out. He has demanded a trade. All right. And the first question I have actually three questions that all lead to uh, the same place um, are three versions of the same question. So really what I'm going to ask you guys is, would you trade Wiggins straight up for Katie? I know that's not an option. I know Brooklyn wouldn't do it. I know that's not on the table. I just kind of, I find this entertaining. So I want your take on it. But my first version of that. All right. I put this up as a Twitter vote. As of right now, there's been about 363 votes. Um, you know, it's between either our two options are, yep, it's KD or nope. Wiggs is one of us. 75% of almost 400 people 
voted in one direction. Which direction do you boys think that is? Yes, I would trade Wiggins or nope, I would not. I think nope. Yeah, if it's not nope, then I really don't understand this fan base. It is, it's not only nope, but it is filled with things like life is way too stressful to add KD back into my life or absolutely not. Or I wouldn't give up Damian Lee for KD. So there's, there's <laughs> been, it's a fairly interesting reaction. All right, here's number two. Would you do it? Connor, go first. You're Bob Myers. Uh, you get a call. Joe Sy, the fucking owner from Brooklyn. It's like, look, I'm tired of this. Fuck him. I can't handle this anymore. He did fine with you guys. I just want Wiggins. Would you do it, Connor? I would not do it um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, yes, the Warriors won two titles with Kevin Durant, but in terms of like a cultural fit, it was just never there. You know, he never and he never really felt like a part of the organization. And then the way things ended there were so it was so messy. I mean, I was in that locker room every day that year, and it was the most awkward situation to ever be a part of. And we've talked at length on this podcast about the infamous uh, experience in uh, in Phoenix where he confronted me about uh, something I said on this podcast. Um, and uh, so I have to find out if he's listening right now. Does he have your number? <laughs> Like if you had like the, a messy breakup and you you broke up with someone and you were like you know you broke up with a woman and you're like look she's pretty and all those things and, and she's got some things going for her but she's toxic and I just can't ever be with her ever again that's I think ultimately how the Warriors felt and I hate to say it but Kevin has proven that he's like a little bit toxic I mean this this situation in Brooklyn's not not exactly working out the Warriors do not need that drama. They're a utopian society right now with, with Andrew Wiggins. You don't, you don't mess with that. So it's the whole picture is what makes me agree with you. So just skill set. Kevin Durant is, you know, top five of all time skill set. I mean, I don't know. He has a God-given gift to play basketball. He is one of the best scorers to have ever touched a basketball in the history of the game. You know, there's not a lot of stones you can throw at what he does on the floor. As much as I love Wiggins, what Wiggins does on the floor isn't what KD does. You know, KD, like I said, is a fucking bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer and an all-timer. Love Wiggins, but I'm not sure if he fits that description. But it's when you take the whole picture, especially after what just happened, after Wiggins finds himself here, after he buried himself in this culture, after he did those two things to become the second best player in a fucking final series, I, it would be a sleepless night for me. I'm not hanging up the phone. You know, I'm not like, no, Joe, get out of here. I'd think about it, but I think I'd say no, which is crazy, which is absolute craziness. Uh, Maxime, are you as much of a homer here? Where are you on this? Well, what do you mean a homer? Hold on. What oh, is maybe that? I'm wrong. Go ahead. How do you view it? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just, I just, I, I don't even think you need to be a homer. I think it's objectively the case. I think you, you just need to go ask anybody on the nets right now, how they feel about, KD leaving and they would say, yeah, no, never trade Wiggins for that. Because the thing is, we talked about this before. We don't, we didn't need Wiggins to be our number one guy, right? In the same way that actually we didn't need, I know Draymond's been saying all this stuff about how he wouldn't have won the titles without KD. Um, I think that's a weird about face. And I don't think that that's true because we've seen that Steph can 
thrive as the number one option, which means we don't need another one option, right? Steph is already doing it for us. And so what we need is to build a team around our actual superstar. And in that case, it actually just in terms of positionally, it makes more sense, right? There's like, you get an all-star band together or whatever, right? That's a collection of all these amazing musicians and never sounds as good as their individual bands because like they work together. Right. And you get, it's like, yeah, sure. They're better in and of themselves, but as a collective unit, they're not nearly as good. No, no, no. I would never, I would never, I wouldn't even have a sleepless night. I would just say, sorry, Mr. Sai, it's been nice chatting with you, but no chance. The, if that trade happened, you know, it would have to go back as part of the deal, Draymond's podcast, because there's no fucking way that Katie could be here and Draymond was just given podcast constantly. You know, like <laughs> the kind of shit storm that that would cause would be crazy entertaining, but maybe not the best for the franchise. Here's the last version of it, Connor, and it goes just to you. With the Warriors, you know, if, if it's Bob Myers, not us, and, and he gets that call, would he say no to Kevin Durant? I think he would. I really do. I really do. I mean... Also, there's something to be said for just, like, letting Steph be the, uh, like, unquestioned number one guy in every situation. He has earned that. He deserves that. I think part of what made this uh, finals run, this title run, special for a lot of Warriors fans was, like, Steph got to be the guy in the biggest moments. And, you know, he definitely was huge in all their other title runs, but... Kevin Durant won the finals MVP though, both those years for a reason. And when the games were on the line, like he was the one hitting those big shots. And I think that it's, there's something special about it not even being a question and just like letting it be Steph's team who, and Steph seems to be getting better. I know he's 34 years old, but like he's physically the strongest he's ever been. He is, you know, endurance wise and all those things as good as he's ever been. And so, uh, yeah, you just don't mess with this. This is what they have going here is special. They have this amazing mix of youth and experience. They did something this season that almost no one has ever done, which is they threaded the needle. They won a title and leaned into their experience while also developing the young guys, you know, with Kaminga and Moody and so, and pool, obviously. So yeah, you don't mess with that. Perfect place to end. Connor, we missed you. It's awesome having you back. You know how much we love you, man. Um, I am also sure that there are people everywhere listening who need way more Laterno in their life. Where do those guys go? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron. Uh, read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. Um, since I was last on your pod, I, I got a new title. My, my title now is Warrior senior, Specialist. Senior MBA and Sports Enterprise Writer, which basically just means I'm going to be doing a decent amount of Warriors, but, you know, the day-to-day will be up to our beat guy, CJ Holmes, who I know has been on the pod doing a good job. Um, And I'll be doing a lot of enterprise and other things. But when it comes to the topics that matter about the Warriors, I'll definitely be sure to weigh in. It's been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed this finals run. And I enjoy you guys. And I need you in my life. I need to hang out with you in person soon. So Uh, It should have been tonight. You know what that title means, Gunnar, with jokes aside? It means you're kicking ass in your job, man. Um, the, the Chronicle recognizes what we've recognized for years now. You're phenomenal at what you do and they need to keep you moving up their ladder and it's well-deserved, man. Congratulations. I'm not surprised at all. And anyone who's listened to your Regia is equally not surprised, man. Before we get out of here, we'd be 
completely crazy not to take advantage of our draft guru, Kristen Peak, and figure out exactly what she thinks about the pick of Patrick Baldwin and Ryan Rollins. So without any further ado, and before we get the hell out of here, let's hear from KP on uh, our draft picks. It is my great pleasure to re-welcome into the huddle after a remarkably small hiatus, Yahoo's NBA guru, the exact person you want to speak to after your team has selected a player in the first round of the draft and a woman who hopefully just beat a speeding ticket because the cop who gave it to her was a complete douche. Miss Kristen Peak, what's going on, KP? Listen, listen, can we just talk? I went to court yesterday. And they cited me for going 24 and a 20. And they're like, if you want to fight this, you're going to have to pay more money. Otherwise you can just pay the $150 fine. And I was like, but the the cop didn't show up. So I was like, I asked the judge, I was like, in every other state I've ever been pulled over. If the cop doesn't show up, they throw out the ticket. But because we're in stupid Utah, they're like, oh, we don't do that here. And I'm like, okay, just let me pay the fine. 24 and a 20, they cited me. Okay, you de- you definitely didn't give us that it was only four miles per hour above before. But also, do, is there any truth to the rumor that the cop actually was in the building but was too busy hitting on everyone he saw to make it into the courtroom? Probably. I mean, he probably was already on another date with another girl that he had pulled over that the line actually worked for. So <laughs> That wasn't his wife. Look, we got... Big things I got to ask you about Patrick Baldwin. Um, yes. I know this is kind of an emergency podcast. It came out of you or out of nowhere, but per usual, I got to start this with our off the pod conversation. So breaking the fourth wall, I reach out to Christian today because we desperately need her. Um, and it's last minute. I and mean, we're talking like two, three minutes in advance. And she graciously gives us some of her time. But beforehand, she throws out this take to me. Uh, I have a dude here spraying my house because I found one spider and freaked the F out. And you asked for extra 10 minutes. Christian, how big is this fucking spider? What do you mean you're spraying the house? It doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Like if I find one spider, that means that there's like 15 other lurking, waiting to crawl into my mouth when I fall asleep. Like I don't mess around with this. It's like, no, get to my house now and spray everything. Like please. And then the guy, the guy, he goes, he's like, Hey, so I noticed this like hole that's being buried, like underneath the cement in my, off, off my porch. And he's like, uh, pretty sure it's like a family of mice. You want me to get rid of this? I'm like, yes. What kind of question is that? (laughs) I mean, to give you a sense of how cheap I am, the the spider would have to be like an 80 foot black widow before I hire somebody to come and spray the house. Dude, it's just one spider. Bram, Bram, you know, I lived in Australia for two years and the, and when I left, I, I hated leaving. Cause I love, I, to this day, I still love Sydney, Australia, like my favorite place on earth, but I made a list of the top 10 things I would not miss about living in Australia. And, uh, seven of them were bug related. So <laughs> well, it's also, I've been to Australia. It's the fucking bug capital on earth. Like the Congo has nothing on the bugs in Australia. So, yeah, you know, a little duality of personality here, but, uh, I respect it. Uh, do you know if the person at your house who's spraying it for the spider says, use your bathtub yet? Have you been able to watch that or keep any eyes on it? I, I do not know. <laughs> That is a fair question. You may want to lock up those bath salts, man. <laughs> Who knows what this guy is up to? All right, main event. Tell me about Patrick Baldwin Jr. All right, so let me start here. Warriors take him at 28. 
you hear that, what's your first thought that he fell to us at that slot? Fell to you. I was shocked that they took him that high. Fucker. You heard how I phrased that. I'm, I, I'm trying to push you in this other direction. Why? Because, okay, here's the thing. I, I honestly, if he hits, we've talked about this. Like if Pat Baldwin hits, what is he? A 6'9", 6'10", guard, very reminiscent of what Kevin Durant looked like coming out of college. Um, only problem is Pat has been hurt the majority of his career. And you know how I feel about injuries. So honestly, I think like he looked, Pat looked great at the combine. Like he tested off the charts. He was walking through the gym. You could see all the NBA scouts, all of like the executives be like, he looks great. He looks the part you look at him and you're like, this is going to be a all-star pro. Like he has everything to him. Only problem is he has to stay on the court. And I, I have extreme like reservations when players go through that many injuries this young. Let me throw a optimistic look at it. You tell me if I'm off base because this kind of fits what the Warriors do, right? The the name I thought of was Kevon Looney. You know, he's coming out of UCLA. He had that weirdo hip thing. Um, He falls and his lower back was kind of hurt. So he he ends up sitting with us for like a year or something. Um, And then through either our training staff or luck, whatever it was, he gets his health back. And then, you know, now we got this guy. We've got a a big contributor. Is there at least a possibility of that? You know, like the. Of course there is. Yes. Yes. There is always that possibility. But this isn't a guy who like only played 11 games at Duke, North Carolina or Kentucky. He played 11 games at UW Milwaukee for his dad and like couldn't figure out a way to win as like the guy on the team. Granted, when he was healthy in high school, he was a top five player in his class, played for USA basketball, played alongside Jalen Johnson on the AAU circuit, was incredible when he was healthy. Yep. And so honestly, I feel like I feel like the Warriors were just like, what are we going to do at 28? Let's flip a coin. Pat Baldwin heads. Peyton Watson tails. Oh, Pat Baldwin. All right. We'll take you at 28 (laughs) because they have that luxury. You guys can do whatever you want because it's not a need pick. Like you didn't need anybody at 28. So if you're looking at someone with high upside that you don't know how they're going to pan out, but kind of has a little bit of a track record of injury, you can take that gamble because you guys are the best team in the NBA right now. You know what my favorite part about the draft is, and it's just kind of random, um, but we talked about when we were talking about, you know, who they might take at 28, we said, well, look, there's a rumor that they could trade it because the Warriors are already close to the, not close to, over the luxury tax and everyone's projecting they're going to want to keep their money down and yeah. they already have a bunch of young talent, so maybe they don't make the move. The Warriors not only make a move at 28, they then buy an additional pick in the second round, you know, just kind of like a fuck you. We will do whatever the hell we want. They, they bought number 44 and picked up Ryan Rollins, I think. Oh, Ryan. I like, I like Ryan. I like Ryan a lot. Um, That is a great pick. I have more follow-ups on Baldwin, but strike while the iron's hot. Why, why do, why, what impresses you about Ryan? He's he's a guy he played, he didn't play at a power five conference team. Um, I think he's still growing into who he's going to be as a player. He showed really good, like high basketball IQ instincts and the ones from which he played at, um, at the NBA draft combine. And he was a player where like teams were like, well, he could go back and he could go higher, but I think he has a promise. So he's going to stay in the draft. And I don't know what his promise was, but guys like teams that were outside the draft looking in and hoping that he wouldn't get drafted so they could pick him up. They're like, 
well, he's going to be gone. And you know, that happened that way, but I, I like Ryan a lot. I like his game. Here's some follow-ups on Baldwin. Here's my first one. Are you willing to go back about seven minutes to my first question? And you tell me, yeah, he fell to you guys. And you are so lucky that he's there. So lucky. (laughs) No, I would say if we had this conversation, Bram, two years ago, pre-pandemic, and you're like, oh, well, you know, I think the the Warriors are going to come off winning an NBA championship here in a couple of years. And who are some of the players that might fall? What about Patrick Baldwin Jr.? I'd be like, oh my gosh. Like if he falls to 28, that would be insane. That would be insane. That would be like the steal of the draft. But then he had some injuries. Here's what, here's what I love about you, KP, that you know me well. You could have phrased it that way up front. You had that story in pocket, you know, I'm like, look, super happy, but, but there's some injuries. So you should be, and instead you're torturing me a little bit, which is, you know, good for you. I want you to know, I'm hopefully going to see a tarantula cryo behind you at some point, just as a, uh, that happened. I would, I would scream. I would (laughs) scream. So long. Uh, Give me, so best case analysis, uh, Baldwin, player comp. If he reaches his, if he gets healthy, you know, and get some time to get his feet underneath him, are there any existing NBA players or past NBA players his skill set reminds you of? Brandon Ingram. Shit, okay. So, wow. uh, great shooter from deep and has great length and size at 6'9", 6'10". I don't know what, I can't remember what he measured at the combine. And just a guy that like has that athleticism that can defend one through four. Um, One of the things I saw thrown out there, the reasons for optimism, you know, because I I saw, yep, you have this huge pedigree and then didn't really reach it. And one of the things they talk about is it's weird playing for your dad. You know, that that could have been. So then don't go there, go to Kansas. He should have gone to Kansas. I don't understand. I don't understand. Go on, go on. There's so many players every year. I'm like, why, why are you going here? This is such a bad fit, but you can't say it to them because you're not the one making the decision. But what do I know? I've just been covering this shit for like eight years. Cool. But Never. do you, did it limit him? Do you agree with that? I mean, like, was this not, that was one of the reasons he, he fell from that lofty perch, you know, top five in his class. And then now is more of a concern. Is it because he went to a, a program that didn't necessarily meet what he needed? I, yes and no. I I feel like he COVID, I don't think real, I don't think people realize like how much COVID and the pandemic hurt these players, especially in this draft class, because you're talking about players who went months, like some nine, 10 months without going five on five with any competition. So then you, you go through that and like, yeah, you're getting workout done. You're getting shots up, but then you get to a college game and you're having to like jump Gary. No, you're having to jump back into it. And it's just like, it's not as easy as people think like the pace, even at a UW Milwaukee and like whatever conference they're in is still much higher, a bigger step than high school and especially high school COVID basketball. So I think that hurt him. If he would have gone to Kansas and had that, like, kind of wiggle room to play behind David McCormick, uh, Jalen Wilson, Ochai Abaji, and kind of get used to the pace and, and get his confidence up. I don't think we would be talking about him falling to 28, okay. you know, what does he have to worry about? Nice phrase, by the way, falling to 28. I appreciate that. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> what does he have to work on? What skill sets are still not where they should be? Probably his motor and his strength uh, would okay. be the two things. But you can say that about 
50, 60% of the rookie class. Motor's a little concerning. I mean, the, the upside, so this was never true. It used to be when players came to Golden State, they came here to die. You know, we, we had no culture. We had nothing. You disappear. Now it's the other side. You know, now we've got the Wiggins example and everything else. So motor might be a thing that we can fix here. You know, I, I, I at least hope that that's where it goes. Um, well, I mean, Kaminga, so Kaminga and Moses and Pat Baldwin, all played against each other and played with each other on the AAU circuit. Oh, so sure. at least you got that going for you. If you're like trying to build a young core, they uh, all played on Nike ZYBL. There, uh, there was, so obviously the San Francisco giants are out here. Um, and I, it was either last night or two nights ago, they had footage of uh, Moses Moody sitting with Patrick Baldwin at the game. Um, yeah. And I thought I, I had credited the organization. I thought that the Warriors were like, hey, take them out. But no, it sounds there's some pre-existing like they knew each other. This is already. Yeah, they know each other. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So that's that's always a positive anytime. And I, I'm such a sucker for those storylines. I'm like, oh, like when if Chet would have gone to Orlando, it would have been like, oh, my gosh, he's reuniting with his best friend, his his high school and AAU teammate. Who doesn't want to see that? Like. Those are the things I'm thinking about, not the millions of dollars of investment that it goes into like investing into these players. So anytime I see players reunite that are, that have been like friendly or friends on the high school or AU circuit, I'm like, oh, that's nice. Who landed in the best spot? Uh, open it up just draft wise, you know, looking back, who, who do you think is, is in a position to succeed here? I'm, this is uh probably, I mean, I, I picked him as a winner of the draft, but Jaden Ivey basically like making Sacramento pass on him so he could go to Detroit and play with Kate Cunningham was like the biggest boss move I've ever seen from a draft prospect. <laughs> like he came out, he came out in the weeks leading up to the draft and said, I don't want anything you I don't want anything to do with you, Sacramento. This is where players go to die. I don't want any part of this. Please pass on me. And Sacramento's like, oh, great. We'll take Keegan Murray. <laughs> Poor Sacramento. Honestly, like it's gotten to the point now where I, I almost feel bad for him. I was reading that. I read it like they, they wouldn't give him any, not only did he not show up for an interview or give him any kind of a workout, but he wouldn't provide him any medicals. He no, was just like, yeah, nothing. fuck you. Like I will give yeah. you exactly, I'll give you my middle finger. And that's about all I'm going to give you. As I thought as he landed in a good spot. And I also really like Shane Sharp in Portland. Because there's no pressure for him yet, yeah. um, unless they do a deal with Dame, and and then he'll have to perform. But um, I, I feel like he probably feels like he can finally breathe now because he didn't play a single second at Kentucky, yeah. and will be able just to like show out at summer league, which I really hope he does. Because I was like, don't make me look bad, man. I've been calling you a better shooting, Anthony Edwards. Do not make me look bad. He's like. I got you, KP. And I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. Is it weird that the movie Hustle made me a huge fan of Anthony Edwards? Like, I, Oh I don't, my gosh. Wait, 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 wait. Can we talk about Hustle though? Because I'm watching it and like, same thing. I like text Ant's guy and I was like, oh my God, like Ant in this movie is giving me life. He's like, he's a great villain. I'm like, no shit, he's hilarious. <laughs> and then, and then I'm watching it. I'm like, when it gets to the combine part and they let the family in to watch the combine, I'm like, this movie sucks. This never happens. And I was like, and Aunt Edwards is supposed to be like the projected number two pick in the draft. Nobody at number two ever plays in the combine. <laughs> like this movie is horrible. And so I'm like texting Aunt's guy this. And he's just like, he's like, you don't have to analyze the movie so much. Damn KP. And I was like, 
literally what I do for my job is yes, I analyze players. I'm actually hell of glad you said so. The first one we got the other player maybe really like was Boban, just because of how bad he was willing yes. to make him look. You know, that he came in there was like a 50-year-old man pretending that he was a fucking 25-year-old. Right. Um, but you saying that, actually, I, I was almost not going to ask you this. So you, I was going to, you know, how realistic is the draft combine? You've already answered, not super. How realistic? So in that movie, for those who haven't seen it, you know, there, there's a underrated player, a no-name player who works his way up, goes into the draft combine. Uh, for those of you who don't want a spoiler on this movie, fast forward about two minutes, all right? but doesn't make in the draft combine. And then the big change is, even though he doesn't succeed at the draft combine, he gets to go play in a random workout in front of scouts. And then first of all, those workouts, those NBA runs, NBA, like NBA guys can't get into those. That's illegal. It's illegal for NBA scouts to go to those like NBA runs. So that was another thing. I'm like, oh my God, this movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. No, also per usual, I'll be stealing this from you. At some point, someone's going to bring up hustle and I'm like, oh. I really liked it, but it's just, it's not realistic. Just so you guys know, yeah, it's not realistic at all. Uh, but I digress. So you know how much I appreciate you on the show, how much we love you as one of our favorite guests. But I've, I've, I've kind of misused you so far because we've only talked about the fucking draft, but you are a guru of all things NBA, not just the draft. And the thing that has my attention now, well, we're going to expand on that next season. We're going to try to really take advantage of your skill set. But the thing that I want to hear about now is Katie's demand out. Um, did you see that coming? What are your thoughts on it? Is there a landing space that you would suggest? What, what are you thinking here? Of course, we all saw this coming. Like Kevin Durant is the, he, he did the same thing when he left OKC to come to the Warriors to win a ring. Like if he's not happy, he's going to find a way out. He's going to find a better landing spot. I don't know where it is. I mean, I saw, what was it like Phoenix? He really liked Miami. and Miami. Miami. Yeah. Oh my God. He's totally going to Miami. That is like the most Kevin Durant move ever. If Miami trades fucking Jimmy Butler, so I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not locked into this at all, but I would imagine if it happened, Butler would probably be a part of it. If uh, Butler is traded out of Miami after, you know, they've been talking about being basically like soulmates that Pat Riley has heat culture and that Butler loves heat culture. And this is how it's supposed to be. If that trade happens, Pat Riley is the most cutthroat motherfucker on the face of the planet, you know? And like, that's not breaking news. I mean, I guess we already knew it, but just example number 1000 that he is willing to do whatever the hell it takes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they all are. They all are. Fair enough. KP, you're awesome. Um, and here's something I didn't do last time. The, I, I, we don't have to guess every time we have you on the feedback is phenomenal. What we hear every time is we need more. So for those who need far more Christian peak, where do they go? You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Kristen peak. Um, my personal cell phone number. No, I'm just (laughs) (laughs) Do you, is, is it true that Durant made both those girls pay for their drinks? Oh, that, that would not surprise me. It would not surprise me. A great place to end. Thank you. Good luck with the spiders, you know, and the mouse. I mean, we'll see. How they're they're gone. They're gone. That's why, that's why I paid someone to come spray my house. Yeah. Like, I mean, the problem is if it's just one spider that triggers it, the chances of one spider not coming out is, is pretty small, too. Like there, there's a real good shot that you'll be seeing another spider in your house at some point. If I do, then they're coming back and spraying my house again. I don't, I don't want to see them. I don't, I live alone. It's just me and Gary. Like, I don't, I don't want to kill spiders. Like get rid of them. (laughs) 
Fair enough. Well, then you might want to stop speeding all the time to save a little bit of money for spider spreading. Great to see you, KP. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. For us, if you want to shoot us an email, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. Our email address now is I'm sorry, DamianLee.com. Uh, you know, I may have gone too far, DamianLee.com. One of those. I'm not sure what it is, but feel free to shoot as many as you like. There, we also have a Twitter account, our lone social media presence. That one is at Warriors Huddle. And with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you real soon. Good, good.